Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. And today I'm talking to an endocrinologist who gets it. She's Dr. Cassie Smith. She's in Oklahoma. She loves the thyroid. She loves bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and all the things that will help you be you again. You'll get to meet her right after this. School starts back this month in Arkansas, and there are a lot of families that are going to rely on Jess's Chicken for an easy pickup meal. You can do that because, you know, they've got the drive-through. Those of you from Arkansas know that the Bubba's family closed their properties on Sunday so you can worship. So, okay, cross that one off your list. But the other six days a week, you can go by and get chicken sandwiches, chicken nuggets. You can take your kids lunch at school once in a while. I don't really think they deserve it often, but once in a while, you can give them a treat. I've taken Jess's chicken to my chiropractor's office and they loved it. Different options they have there. Some are dairy-free, some are gluten-free. The sodas are are high fructose corn syrup free. They use real cane sugar and it's the good stuff. You want ice cream for dessert? Well, you know, with the Bubba's properties, also at David's Burgers, they offer ice cream as a dessert and they even have toast and gravy. And for those of you not from the South, go by and check out the chicken fried chicken. Yes, you can get that at Jess's Chicken. It's at I-430 Rodney Parham in Little Rock. Find them online, jesschicken.com. I'm looking at some of the books right now that I've ordered from dogtalktv.com. It's a site where you can buy books about dogs and the proceeds help the local rescues, especially here in central Arkansas. The author of many of the books and the brainchild behind the website is Pat Becker Wallace. She's a philanthropist and certified NADOI dog trainer. That's the National Association for Dog Obedience Trainers. She's devoted her life to helping find forever homes for the dogs, but also matching the right breed with the right owner which is paramount in her dedication to animals. She's loved animals all of her life, but helping the dog rescue organizations is her life's goal now. Some of you might recognize her as the host of a national PBS series. It's called The World of Dogs Biography. She's now writing these books about dogs, partnering with authors to help educate your family, your friends, your grandchildren about the privilege of dog ownership. One of the books, in fact, on her website is written about the dogs at Heifer Ranch and benefits the ranch, which is west of Little Rock in central Arkansas. Go to dogtalktv.com. I ordered some of the books recently. I'm donating them to my granddaughter's school. I bet you have some creative ways you can help libraries as well. Go to dogtalktv.com now, order the books, and know you're helping the rescues. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, I've got a new best friend. Cassie, you're my new best friend because you do love the thyroid and you do love talking about menopause and methylation and all the things. But here's my one beef with you. You're an endocrinologist and I say I don't like your kind, but I like you because (laughs) most endocrinologists are the accountants of the medical world. They look at teeny tiny numbers on a piece of paper and they say, oh, your TSH, it's 3.1. You're fine. But I don't yeah. think you have that feeling and philosophy, do you? 
I don't. No, you're right. I don't like many of my kind as well. So <laughs> See, I would, I would I would agree with you. We're not we're not all created equal. Um, I like to think of myself as the unicorn endocrinologist. So why yeah. it? So what drew you to endocrinology? Because that's metabolism. That's um, your ovaries. That's your thyroid. You know your endocrine system. So what drew you to that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I struggled with uh, an autoimmune condition too in medical school. So I had Hashimoto's and Graves. Represent. So that's kind of wait. You had Hashis and Graves. Well, I had Graves first, and it swung after the other way. mm -hmm. So I I was treated with methimazole. Wow. And you know they they told me I needed to have radioactive iodine and all these things. I didn't want to do it. And so then I ended up going into remission. And then after I went into remission, I ended up with Hashimoto's. So that's kind of where it, it sort of started. Um, but the real reason, honestly, I went into endocrinology, Lisa, is because I, I did internal medicine, right, for a oh, year. So yeah. I got out of residency and I was practicing internal medicine. Um, but my patients weren't really getting better, right? right? So I would see people and I would put them on all this medicine. And it was like, I spent the last, you know, 12, 14 years of my life dedicated to this field of medicine to make people feel better. And I was practicing and nobody was getting better. And so I just had all these questions nobody could answer. And so I thought, well, endocrinology seems like probably the best way to learn all that, right? So that's kind of how I ended up there, to be honest with you. Unfortunately, though, in fellowship, they don't teach you much more in endocrinology fellowship than they do in medical school. So um, I still had a lot of questions in, 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 you know, fellowship. But the good thing was, at least I knew enough to be dangerous. And so I just started kind of learning some stuff on my own. So did did you what what happened to your Hashis after? So because the pendulum can swing, from what I understand, Mm -hmm that an autoimmune disease means something's on fire, right? And your fire was here yeah. with the graves because yeah. your, your antibodies were whatever freight graves. And then they swung in the other direction to Hashimoto's. What do you think, rever- I mean, what did you do to reverse it? And where are you now with, because graves is a serious illness, not to say Hashi's mm-hmm. isn't because Hashimoto's is, can be debilitating, but graves obviously can be a concern for cardiovascular system. Right. Yeah, and thankfully I didn't have terrible graves, but I I think a lot of mine was induced from my lifestyle at the time, right? So I was in medical school. Absolutely. I might have been in resident residency at that point, but yeah, I mean I wasn't sleeping very much. I wasn't eating well. I was, you know, doing all the terrible things you you do. And so I was just trying to survive. And so I got mine to go into remission with methimazole. And thankfully I didn't do radioactive iodine like, you know, yeah. they thought I should do. And so mine kind of went into remission after I think my stress was a little bit better. And I realized like, Hey, I need to take a little bit better care of myself. And so it went into remission and then I finished med school and then I started practicing. But then when I went back to fellowship, um, after I got out of fellowship, my life was kind of crazy again. And so it, it swung the other way and I ended up with Hashimoto's and I, I think I probably had Hashimoto's longer than I realized too, because I was having some other issues, you know, like fertility issues, some other things, but nobody, really looked at that. Um, So whenever I finally realized I did have Hashimoto's, then what I started doing was asking questions, you know, asking endocrinologist questions that they couldn't really answer. And so I was just very frustrated. And so then I started kind of doing my own thing, right? My own research, um, listening to people who talk about thyroid, you know, Um, and then I found BioT, which I don't know if you know about BioT, but I'm getting one tomorrow, girl. Okay. (laughs) Getting my pellet. 
Yep. So I found BioT. And so then that gave me a lot of answers. And then through BioT, I found a doctor that I see in Dallas. Sorry, I have this bug flying around. Um, I found this doctor in Dallas that helped me a lot. That's more of a functional medicine type doctor and helped give me some of the answers that I needed. And so helped me reverse my Hashimoto. So I'm happy to say that I have a normal TPO antibody. I'm not on any thyroid medication right now. Not at all. And I probably feel feel the best I've ever felt in my life at the ripe age of 37. I don't Busiest I've ever been. Did you birth something the in the meantime? I haven't. No. <laughs> that's 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 the issue with the endocrine system and Hashimoto's and Graves. It and I mean PCOS yeah. if we went deeper, but it does affect our fertility. And I, I think that's a question, Cassie, that people really women need to ask their providers if they're not conceiving. You know, as we know, and probably with you, it took me four years to get diagnosed because my TSH was in normal range. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I will. Oh, so I'll give the nod to the endocrinologist on this one. He palpated my thyroid. He said I had an impressive thyroid. I said, thank you, thinking it was like pretty. <laughs> and I, I thought, well, she, she can show up to weddings, bar mitzvahs. What do you need? He was like, no, it's it's sizable. Um, and that was the doctor that did look at my antibodies. So though my TSH crept up from 1.5, 2.5, I was at 3.8 finally, but my antibodies mm-hmm. were 1,300. And I was starting vitiligo at the same time. So, and that was kind of, they were like, okay, let's pull the trigger. This is Hashimoto's, but I'm telling you, it wasn't, I I had to stomp my stiletto foot to say, listen Mm -hmm. to me. When I say I'm tired, I mean it. And it was an endocrinologist who did take the further step. You, I mean, I guess maybe because you already had graves, they were already looking at antibodies, but as you know, Most uh, providers don't look at antibodies, T3, reverse T3, and all the things. Yeah. Well, actually, even though I had Graves, nobody looked at my antibodies until I did it myself. (laughs) So there you go. Nobody did it for me either, even though I had Graves. And so, and, and I think you bring up a good point about fertility. I think a lot of the issue, though, with Hashimoto's, right, it's autoimmune you have a lot of inflammation. Yes. So whatever's driving that inflammation, you know, a lot of times you have high insulin levels and yep. high cortisol levels yep. and all those things are debilitating to your gonads, all of them. And so yep. it causes issues with fertility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my doctor, in fact, so this was to 1999. My last baby came at 1998. After each baby, I kind of had an autoimmune blow up, right? I either had urticaria or I have a rare swallowing disorder. I mean, like each baby kind of spawned this. So, you know, I was tapping my fingers saying something's wrong, something's wrong. And um, finally, when I did get the diagnosis again, four years, um, I did have a provider who put me on Tapazole then, mm-hmm. which is that the same drug you were taking for Graves? So, and I remember, cause I was like an OG of the internet, you know, this was 2002, 2003. I was like, why are you giving me Tapazole? He said, and he was 65 at the time. He said, it's kind of like what we used to do because we're trying to, to calm the storms. But I was mm-hmm. like, but my antibodies are for this one and not this one. Would you ever do that? Would you ever give Tapazole for Hashimoto's patient? You can have toxic Hashimoto's. So okay. it's not very common, but yeah. you can. Um, so it would depend on their TSH, yeah. T3, T4. So if your TSH, if your T3 and T4 were high, 
then yep. then maybe. Yeah. And so that was, again, I, I was an early adopter. I would read, my husband said, I would read thyroid books like they were murder mysteries. I turned the page and go, oh my gosh, because it all made sense. I, I was like, I'm living this, the heavy periods, the hair loss, the loss of it, obviously pigmentation, but eyelashes even and eyebrow. I mean, all these things that nobody put together because when you're, because I was about 40, I'm 60 now. I can't do math, but something like that. But when you're a woman who's 40 and you go in and say, well, I'm bleeding a lot, they'll go, great, we'll just do an ablation. And I went, mm-hmm. no, we're not doing that. Or if you say I have this, they had a pill, but nobody would find out. But why? What happened? So I guess right. I, I just kind of want to lock arms with other women and just remind them, keep going back. Because I, I was the first person to ask, this doctor who was 65 at the time, I said, what about giving me armor? He said, girl, we had, hadn't heard about armor in years. He'd been practicing, you know, for 30 years at that point, 35, maybe. He said, that's an old timey drug that was grandfathered in by the FDA. He said, we're supposed to give you Synthroid. And I went, well, who sponsors the symposium at medical school? He said, Abbott Laboratories. What do they make? Synthroid. So right. I was like early in the game in 2003 because I read, uh, read a Rita Aram's book. Is that his name? The endocrinologist from Houston wrote thyroid solution. Maybe there was like thyroid power, thyroid solution. Mm -hmm. There were a few books in the early two thousands. And I said, or give me some cytomel. And Mm -hmm. that I I finally got my life back doing the complete thyroid hormone replacement. Did you start with Synthroid first? Yes. It's all Synthroid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, to your point too, Dr. Broda Barnes, so he yep. was an endocrinologist in the fifties. Yes. Yes. He knew, he was talking about this in the fifties, right? He was talking about desiccated thyroid in the fifties. He and, was? I mean, in the fifties, sixties, seventies, he published data. Uh, yeah. He, he did a very in-depth analysis of people where he, I mean, he knew that T3 was important. And so we've been talking about this for a long time, but to your point, my, my society, we haven't changed our guidelines, despite the fact that we publish data all the time that shows T3 is important and shows that people feel better on it. There was a study that showed that 78% of people, if you blind them, they prefer T3 over T4. And we know that, and we say that, but we don't change our guidelines. And so it's, it's frustrating. I went to a university, we had the University of Arkansas Medical Sciences here. And finally, when my antibodies got to 2,400, that same, my sweet, I had a sweet endocrinologist finally. And he said, I'm just going to send you over to the med center because I want to see what's going on. And I was taking desiccated thyroid hormone and they wouldn't refill it. I go, I'm the customer. And I thought the customer was always right. He (laughs) said, this was in like, I remember dates, 2008. He said, well, the re- the National Institutes of Health hasn't done any funded mm-hmm. research on it. And I went, well, I'm a study of one. It's helped me. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't refill your armor. I, I did. I do NP now. And I, I was like, nice to meet you. I'm not. Mm-hmm. He said, when you come back in six months, I went, oh, no, we're done. <laughs> we're yeah. breaking up as at this point. Yeah. And it's really frustrating because in medical school, you know, I want to blame doctors, but at the same time, I don't want to blame doctors right. because they teach us in medical school. Here's what you learned in medical school. Go see that patient. Go make sure that patient's ready to go home. Let's get rid of them. You know, like their labs right. look good. Right. They're in the box. 
goodbye. It's not like, hey, how are you feeling? How are you? Like they don't teach us that in medical school. They teach you it's very, you know, here's the box. They fit in the box. It's fine. And so it's just a very discombobulated way to, to you know, to teach medicine, unfortunately, and, and to practice medicine. Because I'll tell you, if you do that, your patients don't feel better. They don't come back and oh, they no. don't like you. And so, I mean, I know this seems crazy, but medicine is, I mean, you got to ask people how they feel and then you have to use your judgment, what you know, to make decisions to help them feel better. And you have to also use physiology and, you know, it, just what we teach people in, in medicine right now is very outdated. And we have a ton of research that shows that it's outdated and we publish this research, just nobody reads it or nobody does anything about <laughs> nobody it. Reads it. You know, it's I mean, great. it's like, Nobody reads it, or if they do read it, they they read it, but they still don't change anything. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy, but there's so much research now that talks about T3 and how T3 is so important at a cellular level and how it doesn't correlate with TSH and it doesn't correlate no. with free T4 no. and it doesn't correlate with how you feel. No. And, but, but yet the, my society's guidelines, the endocrine society's guidelines still say you use TSH to diagnose. You don't treat Hashimoto's unless their TSH is high. Like, you know something's going on, but you don't do anything. That is you know, hateful to women. I, I mean, I hate, I hate to be that way, but unless that man has walked in my shoes, they don't get it. This is where I think also that happens. In the South, you ask a woman how she is. What does she say? Fine, thank you. Fine. Whereas I tell my clients, go in there and bitch and moan. When they say, how are you? Go, my life sucks. I hate my family one week of the month. Uh, I'm constipated. I'm cold. My hair falls out. How do you think I'm feeling? Do not yeah. go in there and say I'm fine. So gripe. And, but my, the first endocrinologist I went to when I went back for my follow-up four weeks after my, after he palpated and said it was impressive goiter. Thank you. Um, <laughs> my TSH went from 3.8 down to one. And he said, Oh no, we're, I was on 75 micrograms of Synthroid and that's kind of titrated by weight and I weigh about 150. And I was like, what? Uh, 75, I'm not good at math, but that's not the same as 150. That's about half. He said, oh, we think that one is a good number for TSH. And I go, Wait, I, like, I didn't know who he was talking about. I didn't know it was a society of mean people, the, the endocrine <laughs> society. And I said, who, who's we? And he goes, well, the National Academy of the Endocrine mm -hmm. or whatever. And I said, if you lived with me, you would not think one's a good number. I go, one's not mm -hmm. my target because this isn't working. And so I broke up with that one too. I have, a, I'm the one like Elaine Bennis on Seinfeld <laughs> where it says difficult patient. And on every chart at every doctor's office in Little Rock, Arkansas, until I found a provider who writes the amount of NP that I need. And because of that, I've titrated it. I only take it four days a week. Um, you know, and then I'm trying to wean off because I've, brought my antibodies down trying to wean off that. So you just have to be your own advocate and women listening and a few men who get it, this many men get it, fight for yourself. Your husband will thank you. Your kids will thank you. Yeah. I mean, you, and it, it's hard, but yes, you know, your body the best. Better and so than you, a lab yeah, you. you just have to find a provider that understands it and, and understands physiology. Right. But I tell people this all the time when doctors will ask me or patients will ask me, well, aren't you scared if you, you know, I have a patient who takes 800 micrograms of tyrosine a day, 800. No, um, is she thyroid hormone resistant then? She, she has a lot of issues. She has, um, she had gastric bypass. So I uh, think she has issues okay. absorbing it. Okay. Has, okay. But I mean, 
Yeah, and she actually even takes some IV thyroid medication because she, <laughs> but yes, she eight hundred a day. But I mean, that's what it takes. And whenever I I've talked to some different endocrinologists about her, they're like, "Are you trying to kill her?" I'm like, "No, no, I'm not trying. To, I'm, I'm trying to make her be able to function." You know, so everyone's different. I mean, you have to get outside of that yeah that box. You have to give people. And her TSH is not. I mean, it's not super low. Everyone's different. I mean, it, that's the thing about medicine, right? Like everyone's body is different. You're going through. I mean, my body is different today than it was three months ago. It's right. going to be different than it is in three. I mean, it's your body. It, it's such a complex, you know, system of cells and organs. You have to look at everything that's going on. How stressed are you? What is your insulin level? Yeah. Are you on your menstrual cycle? Yeah. You know, are you sleeping? What are you eating? I mean, so there's so many different things. And so, yes, you, I mean, you're going to know your body better than, than anyone else, right? I, I guess so, it's insulting for us as patients when they think they know our body better than we do. And when he said, right. well, we think one is a good number for TSH. If you looked at my TSH now, it's so suppressed because of what the, the what the NP does, you know, the desiccated thyroid, mm -hmm. it will often suppress your TSH. But I have a provider now who's like, let's not look at that. Let, what She asked me, what's your blood pressure doing? Well, it's 100 over 70, you know. What's your weight? It's good. Uh, you know, it's just a, a lot of variables. So I just want women listening, especially to really fight for themselves. If you think something is wrong, go back and find a provider you can communicate with. Um, well, and we also know, we also know that TSH, so Jeff Garber, the guy who writes the Endocrine Society guidelines, yeah. he wrote a paper and published a paper that said that TSH is not a good function of actual thyroid, like, Hormone. So the guy who writes the guidelines also said TSH is not useful when, and there's like a whole list of things, when wow. you're inflamed at certain times of the day. So, I mean, the endocrine society knows that TSH is not the end all be all. Like it's, it's not, you can't, you can't pin everything on TSH. So even though your TSH is low, if your T3 and T4 are where they need to be, your free yeah. levels, that's perfect. So your TSH probably just isn't working, right? So that's, it, and so it's just, it's crazy. Like there's all this published data that says that. And so, like you said, you just have to be an advocate of yeah. your, I mean, yeah. of your own health. And then the, I will, I will say for doctors though, too, like doctors, I think a lot of times get scared, right? Cause they learn in school that like, Oh, if you suppress someone's TSH, you can give them AFib or you can give them, right. but not all that is true. Like that is not true. There's data that shows us. And then, you know, unfortunately we have people that, you know, sue doctors and they're all these. I so know. I think I understand. there's a lot, there's a lot of people that are just, you know, fearful, but if you really understand physiology, right? So if you understand how the thyroid works, you understand hormones, you understand that, if I give you too much hormone, you're going to be in my office because you're going to be having tremors and you're going to have diarrhea and you're going to be tachycardia. I mean, you know, oh, you're going to know these things. It's uh, being right? over replaced is almost worse than being under replaced because I would agree. Too. Yeah, I've I would that. agree. I, I was taking Cytomel like candy one time because I was the guinea pig for a doctor. The mm -hmm. same doctor who was 65 when he was seeing me, he's the one that told me that the TSH, thyroid simulating hormone test, was introduced by Abbott Laboratories in 1973. The same people who make Synthroid. Hmm, isn't that amazing? And that they were told, because, you know, he'd been practicing all this time, that you don't even talk to patients anymore. All you do is give a blood test. That's when the reference range was 10 point. I mean, I would be I would be dead. If mine even gets to two, I'm, I'm not doing well. Um, he said, and then at, that was 1973. So they said, guess what? You don't even have to talk to patients anymore. Because before that, they did the reflex test. 
Mm-hmm. Remember, if their reflexes were slow. Mm-hmm. And so my reflexes mm-hmm. were real slow that day. So I thought I had reflex cancer because that's where my brain goes, <laughs> not knowing that there isn't a thing called reflex cancer. <laughs> but that, you know, I've read Good Housekeeping and I'm sure Journal, and I'm sure there was an article about a woman who had something like that. So he right. said that was 1973. And he said then in 1980, the endo- I guess the endocrinologist, somebody got together and said, we have all these people now that they're, they don't have thyroid disease, according to the test. So they said, let's give that a new name. Let's call it, what do you want to call it? Fibromyalgia. <laughs> he said the, that name was invented in 1980. To, he said it was kind of a net to catch the people who weren't then being diagnosed with Hashimoto or, or slow, low thyroid. We'll say yeah. hypothyroidism. So you, you have to, you know, the old timey version was... They talked to the patient, palpated her thyroid, and he said, "If it looked like a duck, act like a duck, quack like a duck, it was a duck." Yeah, yeah. And they used their brains. They used to use right. their brains when right. they were doctors. And now I think we just are so burdened with like, let's see fifty people a day. Let's put you in a box and it's move awful. you. Out. I mean, they don't they don't teach you in med school like they like. I remember when I was in med school, I had one teacher, he was a cardiologist, he was an older gentleman, um, a wonderful teacher, like literally was in his 80s. And you would learn so much from him, people would get frustrated, because you know, he would spend an hour in a patient's room talking to them and lay them down. I love and him. look at their, I love yeah, him. I mean, look at their, you know, their, he wanted to show you their JVD and show I you all these things. It. And like, you know, and he would tell you, like, I can tell by listening to them, they have this murmur, they have this. And I used to think like, Wow. And you know what? He told me one time, he said, Cassie, whenever I was in med school, we didn't have all these fancy things you guys have. We didn't have no. echoes. We didn't have, no. He was like, you had to talk to the patient and right. put the puzzle pieces together. Right. And I remember thinking like, wow, you know, he's the only, probably one of the only providers I ever was in training with that did that. You was know, everyone else was just like, oh, or an he was a cardiologist. He was a cardiologist. Wow. Because internists are kind of puzzle pieces to me, piece people who start, you know, diagnosing, but a cardiologist act that way. That's he was a cardiologist. So and, he was, beautiful. and it was just it was fascinating, right? And he yeah. I remember we would listen, like I remember I was in a room with him and he was like, listen to this, and he told me what to listen to. And he was like, I bet this person has aortic stenosis and I was like how does he know you know like murmurs yes they have a certain murmur but how they definitely have I remember he told me they definitely have aortic stenosis and it's probably 50 to 70 percent and I'm like how do you know that and he's like and then they got an echo and they and he was right and I was like that is so that crazy, really you know? gives me chills I, I yeah, love so that kind of medicine that that is that's a, how, how it used, it to, used be. to be yeah I don't think that's how it is anymore um you know and there's a lot of things that need to change with med schools, pharmaceutical companies, a lot of things, but we got it. I mean, you have to teach people in med school that although medicine is kind of like, you know, yes, you need to figure out. I mean, I think they teach people just enough to be a little bit dangerous, but if you don't mix what you know with how somebody feels in physiology and put it all together, I mean, it's like, it's not going to work. Right. I mean, exactly. There has, there has to be some thought process there. Like, well, with your love of the beloved thyroid, which is the gas pedal to the body, which I, you know, it, it, it changed my life. That diagnosis changed my life, changed the trajectory of my career. You know, I've been in radio TV all this time, but I've always had a passion of helping women. What is your passion though? I mean, you know a lot about the thyroid, you know, it really helps a woman tick, but right now, what are you seeing? Is it bioidentical hormone replacement therapy? What is it? 
Yeah, so I actually still do the full gamut of endocrinology, although I'm trying to kind of get it a little more narrowed because I can't, I can't keep doing that. And so honestly, diabetes used to be my passion, oh. but it's not, it's not anymore. Um, it's since I think since I've gone through this, so thyroid disease and then hormones, yep. insulin resistance, yeah. those three, those things right now, I mean, and they all go hand in hand, right? But I really love hormones as well. Like love hormones. I've seen it change so many people's lives and there's so much bad misinformation about hormones. Um, so that's really where my passion lies right now. And not only with patients, but I'm really trying to help providers understand all the disconnects with hormones because, you know, as much as I would love to treat 300 million people in this country, I know I can't. Right. right. And so the thing sure. that I can do is I can help as many people as I can, but I can help teach doctors to go help Good. other people, right? So that's where my passion lies is like, let me help you understand the things they didn't teach you in medical school. Good. Let me help you understand, you know, physiology. Let me help you understand not only what data has shown and studies have shown, but I've been doing this for three years now. And I, I mean, let me help you understand this so that you can help people because unless we start doing this correctly, I mean, we're in trouble. Our country's already in trouble, right? Yeah. All right, let's spend some time right now thinking about the flooring in your home. If you're home, that's easy. You can look down and go, meh. And if you're in your car or you're someplace else listening to this podcast, it may not bring you uh, happy, happy feelings when you think about your flooring and you think you need to replace it. I got a guy. I got a guy and a gal. Uh, in fact, I've got the entire Akel family just about. Akel's Carpet One. AcolsCarpet1.com, three locations in central Arkansas. These people know flooring. In fact, not only do they know flooring, they're very generous about their flooring. And I say that not just their flooring, all the products that they sell now at Acles Carpet One. In fact, if you have a home, an entire remodel, they can take care of just about everything but the appliances. It is really sealing the floor now because they have things like kitchen tile. They've got your backsplash. They can do, obviously, the flooring. They can do the fixtures. They can do the cabinets, all the things. But let me tell you about some of the options that they offer. One is if you don't love your floors, they'll replace them for free. Yeah, the floors you get from them. And they've got a 10-year warranty on the stains for all custom rugs. And these are the people that beat the big box store prices. Why haven't you called them? So many of my referrals have reached out to Akles. I appreciate it. Tell them Lisa Fisher sent you. AklesCarpetOne.com. Hey there. While I have your attention, I just want to go ahead and direct you to my website and my social media for other outlets with Lisa Fisher. My website is LisaFisherSaid.com. My Instagram is at LisaFisherSaid. Same thing with Twitter. That's because if someone asks you, why did you do something? You'll say, because Lisa Fisher said, because I've been doing the research. That's why I love all the things. I'm a certified health coach and I've got programs for you to help you with weight loss and help you balance your hormones. You can reach out to me. It's all there on my website or on my social media. Go there now, lisafishersaid.com. Like, 70% of us are either obese or overweight, 70%. One in three people are going to have diabetes in the next 10 years. Oh, it'll be We're more spending trillions yeah. of dollars on healthcare. I mean, it's just, it, it's so sad. And it's like, you know, I say this, but I mean, it's kind of crappy, but I read something the other day. I mean, American hospitals were made for people to be sick and, and you know, be in these, right. these hospitals. Like this medicine in this country is built on you being sick and spending your money on things that 
keep you sick and keep you in American hospitals and keep you taking American drugs. And it's just, it's not why I went into medicine. Uh, it's kind of my belief around that has changed a lot over the last few years. And I mean, you as the patient have the choice, like you have the choice to get the right knowledge, to make the right decisions and to help fix yourself. And so you just need good information. And what kills me is all that negative, bad information out there. You know, what we what we need to be doing as doctors is sharing the, the correct information, the most up-to-date information, the stuff that, that makes people feel better. And I'm not saying everyone, like before I get all the hate, you know, I'm not saying every single person needs bioidentical hormones. I'm no, not, I mean, I, it's your body. Absolutely. You do you, you do, but your I choice. mean, it, it's yeah. your choice. You get to live with your choices and your consequences right. and your decisions in this country. That's the great thing about America. You can make your own choices and you can live with those choices. Yeah. But I think that people need to realize there's really good data out there and they need to understand all the data around bioidentical hormones and around lowering insulin and around fixing your thyroid so that you can, you know, live and be the best you. Um, because if you look the last 20 years, we're not getting better in this country. We're getting no, worse. We're, we're fatter. We're, we're we have more. Yeah. We're yeah. fatter. We're sicker. We're, and so there's something wrong, right? When everything yeah. else in the world is getting better, like yeah. technology is better. We're living longer, but we are not healthier. Yeah. And so pe- people need to start asking why they need to start making good decisions, educated decisions. And they need to, just, I mean, the, you have the the power as the patient, like you get to make the choice. You just have to figure out the right choices to make. And it's scary and you need, you know, somebody who understands those things, but you're right. You have to be your own advocate and you have to make good choices. And so that's, I, I love helping those people. I love it when people come to me and they just say, I don't know, I'm a mess, test everything and help me feel better. Okay. Well, I mean, let's do it, you know? And then I love when I, I do teaching once a month for physicians in Dallas and yeah. I love it when, there are people there and they're asking questions and they're engaged and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time commitment. I'm away from my family. I mean, it's, but if I, you know, I still, I tell myself every day when I go there and I'm there for five or six hours, if just one physician leaves here and buys into this and goes and helps people, it's worth the weekend that I spent here. Right? I absolutely because that's, agree. Well, so, I'm, I'm glad there are physicians who are wanting to think outside the box and to see what this pretty girl from Oklahoma city has to teach her. <laughs> And that it could change not just their practice, but the trajectory of the patient's health and not being customers of big pharma the rest of our lives. You know, you, you can age my, my aunt will be 99 next week. Finally had to put her in a facility because she's demented now. No medicine, not blood pressure, nothing. I mean, she take, she had no provider. Do you know how hard it is to get admitted to a nursing home when you don't have a provider? Well, you don't have a doctor. <laughs> They've never had that. In fact, Medicare dropped her benefits because they thought she was dead because she had never <laughs> used a doctor. Because you know what she did? She did yoga every day. She went mm-hmm. on a walk every day and finally tripped over her dog at 98, mm-hmm. broke her hip. But girl, that was 15 months ago. They said that they gave her four weeks in. Well, here we are celebrating 99 years. But my point is she lived in Europe a long time, came back to the U.S. and just had the mindset of, oh, no, no, no. Let me take care of this. And mm-hmm. because of that, she clearly not a customer of Big Pharma. So I, I just like people. That's it. Be informed. Make the decision, but don't make it based on one opinion that's sponsored by big pharma and big food. 
I mean, that's it. And don't, don't make it based on fear either. Like get good knowledge, right? Right. Like get, get, if you, you know, like I have people who come at me like, yes, this definitely causes cancer. Well, Google does estrogen cause cancer and look at the extensive data. You know what I mean? Like, so, and because I can give you like, and I understand how to read medical literature, but I mean, even you, even somebody with a high school, anyone with a high school diploma, you can get on Google now and you can find all sorts of things and read it, you know, or you can get on YouTube or you can get on. And I mean, you can look at my credentials. You can look where they came from. You can, I mean, you know, it's just, you have the ability to learn, right? Just like I did, just like you did. Whenever I didn't feel good, I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn everything I can about this and then I'm going to make a decision. And yes, there's always going to be pluses and minuses, but you get to make that decision and you get to determine, you know, and, and I tell people maybe try it, try it, see what happens. You know, worst case scenario, you can't feel worse than you already do. Right. So why don't you give this treatment a try and see what happens? Like, you know, it it will make you feel better for sure. I mean, you you get your life back. I kind of wish I'd started, um, estrogen replacement earlier. I did start progesterone in my forties when I had the 2am wake up. And so, Mm -hmm. but I wish I'd done the full Monty then, but I, I, I don't think I had all the information I do now. The one thing I'm loving about this dementia research is now we're seeing that um, estrogen is cardioprotective and could be a dementia preventative. Talk about that just a minute. Yeah. So estrogen, but also testosterone. So testosterone is hugely, hugely dementia. So if you, if your, if your testosterone is low, you're seven to eight times more likely to develop dementia as a woman. And that it makes sense, right? So if you go into a nursing home, what do you see? You see a bunch of women, right? Mm -hmm. So that's because women have a lot lower testosterone levels than men. And so dementia is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart and gets me fired up too, because let's talk about what we offer people in this country with dementia. Big Pharma offers them terrible medication that costs $100,000 a month and none of it does anything to fix their dementia. None of it is disease modifying. None of it. It does not modify the disease. It might help the symptoms, but it doesn't do anything for these people. And it costs as much as a house. Wasn't that based on erroneous or lies that like the it, it was Aricept or one of the drugs it it didn't help it oh. it was based on erroneous information it makes me right. the most the most recent one that came out you know that was FDA approved within the last couple of years basically when they brought all the people in and looked at it all the you know the the people who they were like okay you're experts in the field of this they all said they told the fda like this drug doesn't really do anything that the other ones don't but it was still released and the fda still approved it and when you get down to why it was because the fda was like well we hadn't had anything new for these people in a while and we needed to not give them false hope and we want them but it doesn't you know they're sarms and monoclonal antibodies and we don't mm-hmm. have receptors for monoclonal antibodies in our head like that that's not you know what we do have receptors for in our head though we have receptors for testosterone and estrogen wow. and omega and vitamin d and t3 these are all the things wow. that you have receptors for in your brain right so for me somebody who's thinking like because my grandma had dementia she died of dementia i have dementia that runs in my family i take care of a ton of people with dementia 
So if you're asking me as a doctor, like, okay, I know all these medicines that are really expensive, definitely don't change your course. And I know you don't have antibodies in your or receptors in your brain for these. So what could you do? Well, what you need to do is figure out what receptors you have in your brain and how you fix those, right? So you have T3 receptors. Mm -hmm. We're talking about T3. Mm -hmm. You have estrogen. Mm -hmm. You have testosterone. You have vitamin D, so you want to make sure your vitamin D is good. You have omega receptors, mm -hmm. and so there's a there's a company called Plasminogen. I don't know yeah. if you've I've heard yeah. of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I take plas I take those those supplements um, every day. You can do a blood test to see if you're deficient. But I mean, these are the things that you do to to do, you know, and then you exercise. So blood flow to your brain, right? Yeah. So that's another huge thing. So you exercise, and but you don't take these $100,000 drugs that don't do anything. And so the frustrating thing for me too about big pharma is like, they're not doing any research on any of that. Nobody talks about any of this. All they're doing research on are these monoclonal antibodies that cost as much as a house. Right. They're not talking about, hey, let's take some vitamin D. Let's go for a walk. Let's exercise. They're not going to make let's... any money. <laughs> and so that's what's frustrating to me, right? If you want to talk about dementia, it's let's get your hormones fixed. Let's get your right. thyroid fixed. Let's, right. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, that's that's going to help a ton. Really fascinating. Uh, Max Lugavere last year when he was on Joe Rogan, you know, that was a three hour conversation because Max Lugavere got into the health space because of his own mother's dementia. And then because, you know, for years we'd hear, well, my grandmother had it or my mother had mm -hmm. it. And Mark Hyman is famous for saying genetics yeah. loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. And so yeah. it's um, Max Lugavere said it, the APOE4 gene it was like less than 1% of the population, maybe 1% of the population. He said those are the only ones that ha truly he felt like had a genetic predisposition. The rest were environmental. The vitamin D, like you said, vitamin D. Okay. You know what? It's free to sit outside every day and get sunlight for 20 minutes, no sunscreen. Vitamin D goes up. It's the low, low price of free. Um, you know, and the other, obviously. Exercise. Exercise is the free. best medicine you can take and it's free increases blood flow it helps with endorphins it increases your dopamine makes cytokines from your muscle yeah. go to your brain yeah. I mean, exercise is free and even if that's to take a walk if that's to you know right. i tell patients we live in oklahoma it's too hot okay walk around your coffee table i don't care walk a hundred times around yeah. your coffee table yeah, that's do true. jumping jacks i mean it's it's free you're right like it yeah. it's and, and then the other thing is you know we do all these things that decrease flow to our brain right so alcohol and not sleeping yeah. enough and not exercising. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It, it's, it's all about choices. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm a seven year intermittent faster. So that obviously we've seen the, there is research about fasting and autophagy and mm -hmm. other things. Dr. Thomas Seyfried has been making the rounds recently. He's the PhD researcher from Boston college who talks about the metabolic um, mitochondrial approach to cancer treatment. It's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And he, he, he's kind of a nutty professor, you know, he kind of laughs at his own jokes and he, he you know, he's his brilliant PhD, but you know, when he talks about treating cancer without the use of big pharma, I think, Oh, there's a target on his back, but the way, but the way he answers it, because my husband was yelling at him in the car when we were listening to him on Mark Hyman the other day, because Mark Hyman said, well, Dr. Seyfried, why, why do you think people have, why, why do you think doctors still prescribe chemo and radiation? He said, it's dogma. It's dogma. My husband was yelling at, you know, the radio where you're listening to it in your car going, it's money. 
And I thought, you know what? There's already one target on his back. He doesn't want to piss off big pharma because, you know, you get sideways with some of those people. You wake up dead one day, you know, mysteriously. I, I hate to be so cynical, but look, I've lived during the Clinton presidency. I'm from Arkansas. I'm suspicious of every death now. But it, I noticed the way he answered it was so that he could see his 78th birthday and go, yeah, it's just dogma. Because you're really like, really? You got to be thinking it's more than that. But you- Well, or I mean, some of it may just be that some doctors are are misinformed too, right? Yep. Or they that's what they believe. I mean, I, have you I don't seen know. I just that science though about the metabolic mitochondrial approach to cancer treatment? I have. Vitamin I have. C therapy and other things. I have. It is y'all. I do I, I do a lot of it. Yeah, I do some of that in my clinic now. We do vitamin high dose vitamin C, we do NAD, oh, you we do, do glutathione. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all of the oxygen therapy, the oxygen baths, the fasting. I think it's all fascinating, you know. And and there's, you know, here's the other thing. Like we discussed, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Right. You get to make a choice in this country. That's right. And so if you have cancer, you know, then maybe find an oncologist that has different approaches. And I know that might be difficult to do. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw where there's. Because uh, I had a guy named Cancer Fighter Owen on my podcast, and he is he has stage four recurrence of thymus cancer. At stage mm-hmm. two, they practically you know, brought him to the brink of death. And so when it recurred at stage four, he said famous words that many cancer patients with metastasized cancer say, never again. So mm-hmm. he said the hard part is finding a provider because you have to have one. You can't just go to your provider and go, just hit me up with the vitamin C and the glutathione. Mm-hmm. They'll say, well, there's the door. And it was nice knowing mm-hmm. you. So he did have, I remember, if anyone listening, you can go back and uh, look for that episode, Cancer Fighter Owen, Lisa Fisher said. And he did, there was something called a functional oncologist, yeah. oh. which which is pretty bold of an oncologist to want to look at the mm-hmm. root cause. Right. Um, but you do have to dig deep. So I'm glad to know we can put your name in the hat, at least for somebody who's open and they can make an appointment with you, I'm sure, on your website. Yeah. And, you know, for your point, though, you said what's sad is like this functional oncologist, you know, as a doctor, at least that's how I feel about it. Right. So I went to school. I have training, but my job is never to dictate your care ever. My job is to give you information listen yes. to your information yes. and then to help you, you know, however that needs to, to happen in that journey. Right. So the fact that oncologists would, you know, try to make someone feel bad about their decision is also kind of sad and frustrating. Cause that's oh. not, I mean, I didn't go to, I didn't go to school to be Jesus, right. Uh-huh. I didn't go to school to, right. to dictate you and to tell you what to do. I went to school to learn and then be able to help you the best I can through your journey of life, whatever that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause people make decisions all day long that make me mad. Right. I have diabetics that, don't take their medicine that don't eat right. That don't, I mean, I don't like, I'm not angry at them. I'm not pissed off. I'm not, you know, I'm here to help you meet, meet you where you are, do the best you can. And it should be the same no matter what in medicine. I mean, if you went into medicine to boss people around and and have a God complex and an ego (laughs) complex, then I, I, have you I, met any oncologists? <laughs> like, well, I mean, and that's just kind of sad though. That's not how it should be. Right. And yeah. so that's how I look at it. Like, I mean, you can make whatever decision you want. It might not be the decision that I would make, right. but still as your provider, I need to respect that, help you all that I can. And, you know, you just document that. Like, yes, I would be happy to give you high dose vitamin C and NAD and glutathione and, 
whatever you want to take if you decide that you do not want to take chemotherapy. Like that's your choice. You no, know? That's your no. choice. I, I agree. That's, but I'm telling you, you know the other yeah, perspective happens. I have a client right Correct. now who's my fasting client. She's lost 70 pounds or whatever. And she thinks she, they think she has a recurrence stage four. They ripped off her breasts, took out her ovaries, took out her gallbladder like they do women who are fat, 40 and fair. Um, she gained 90 pounds. Well, I mean, you see it all the time. Yeah. And so she went yeah. to the oncologist and said, I, I brought the book. I'm considering this. And they literally said, that's the door. No one here at this facility will treat you. She said, you won't even prescribe vitamin C. And they went, <laughs> they go vitamin C. Really? So that's really sad. And you know, this thing is too, there's a lot of data that shows if you've had hormone cancer. I mean, you could still take hormones, even though you've had breast cancer. There's great data that shows I, I, that. And you actually do that. better. I sent her with that. Yeah. And they also said, that's wrong too. So you yeah. see, not that they, I don't even think they said it was wrong. They said, we will not treat you and we will not, I mean, we won't see you. We won't advise you. We, we're done. Yeah. Dunzers here. And, and that's really sad, right? Because it's, I mean, again, it's bullying. It's, yeah, it is. It's, it's not, I mean, I, I guess I also have the mentality of like what I always try to remember because I, I see a lot of patients that can have hormonal swings and, you know, I mean, they're not always feeling well, right? I try to always remember every time I talk to somebody, like, is this how I would want somebody to treat my grandma, father, sister, yeah. mother, you know, yeah. like, and you just need to have that mentality as a doctor. Like you don't need to, I mean, and you just need to document it. I understand like, yes, they might be concerned from a medical legal standpoint, but if you've got a person standing there saying, I'm not doing this. I'm miserable. She said, I'm, I'm not, not taking your that. drugs. Right. I'm not, you know, but I'm miserable and I have all these symptoms and can, what can you do to make me feel better? Well, you have an arsenal of things that can make me feel better. It might not be the best thing that they can take. Right. But I mean, again, we all make choices. People don't make the best food choices every day. People don't make the best right. sleep choices every day. People, I mean, you're, you're still as a doctor, I mean, obliged to help them do the best that they can with what the with what they're asking i guess so that's where i just it that's where it kind of infuriates me right well, like i don't when you I, come I'm, to little rock and start teaching the oncologist here i will be the person okay. who introduces you i'll have okay, you over for lunch because I, i'm a lot of fun <laughs> um uh, another thing you talk about is methylation so uh, we know mm-hmm. a lot of us have the mthfr is that a gene? What is that? An MT? Yep. It's, it's a, a gene, mu- gene mutation. Gene mutation. Yeah. And so that means we don't methylate B vitamins. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yep. You don't methylate B vitamins. So you can't make activated folate, basically. So your tetrahydrofolate is not activated. And so there's a gene that helps your body kind of turn on your B vitamins, okay. I guess you would say. You know, turn them on. So you get them, but then you have to activate them or turn them on in order for them to work. And so 60% of North Americans, it's estimated, can't do that for whatever reason, whether it be genetic or they're inflamed. I think a lot of it goes back to inflammation, right? So when your thyroid's not working, your cortisol's high, you just, you get those B vitamins, but it's like they're there, but they're not activated. Like they can't do anything. Like they just run into the receptor. There's no, I mean, they have to be turned on in order for your body to actually take them pull them in and use them. And so that genetic mutation that people have, that MTHFR, I mean, if you don't give them the methylated B vitamins, then it doesn't work. And so there's tons of people that take B vitamins, but they're not methylated and they have issues with MTHFR and it causes a lot of down regulation issues. So 
the most common thing I see is anxiety and depression. It actually messes with your neurotransmitters. So dopamine, serotonin, a lot. And so I think a lot of these people that have anxiety and depression, a lot of them have methylation issues. So should we assume they do and treat them with methylated B vitamins? Well, you could, or you can do a simple blood test and check a B12 and a folate level. Okay. And if their B12 and folate levels, you know, are off, that's one way to look at it. You can look at homocysteine levels. But I would say, you know, me personally, when somebody comes to me and they say, you know, I'm having a really hard time, I'm super anxious, I'm super depressed. Instead of throwing an SSRI at them or trazodone or something, you know, what we all do how difficult is it to say, hey, why don't you try this methylated B vitamin? Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, you get too much B vitamins and you pee them out. Best case scenario, you start metabolizing your carbohydrates better, you help your fat storage, you help your neurotransmitters, you help your energy, you help your brain. I mean, I don't really see a downfall in this, right? If you give someone an SSRI, I mean, you know, they could, they could become more, I mean, it can make their depression worse. It can make them gain weight. It can, I mean, so to me, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like, why aren't we starting with these things that are maybe a little bit easier, right? And so I tell people this and you look at me like I'm crazy. And, you know, I have a lot of people who come to me and they're already on all these medicines and they're having severe anxiety and depression. And I'm like, we need to, we need to get you on a methylated B vitamin. We need to make sure your thyroid's good. And then let's look at your hormones. And then when they're feeling better, I'm like, okay, let's start getting you off some of these SSRIs and we'll start, you know, I mean, because I think there are millions of people that see doctors and, and say these things and they just, you know, that's what we do. Oh, here's fluoxetine. Here's Prozac. Mm. Here's, I mean, you know, that's not, the question is why, like, why is right. there dopamine and serotonin? Like, what's the deal? Is it their gut? Is it their B vitamins? And so I think there's a ton of people that struggle with that. And it has to do with, I mean, it helps a lot with weight as well. So as you're losing weight, your B vitamin requirements go up. And so some people that are losing weight and then kind of stall out and feel really tired, I think a lot of it sometimes is they have methylation issues because they need more B vitamins. So it affects a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Because we've we've been hearing about even conception, um, carrying the baby, you know, maintaining Mm -hmm. the pregnancy. I know that people with MTHFR Mm -hmm. have trouble with that. Also, it reminds me of the whole SSRI conversation that the same time we heard that bullshit, they lied on the uh, testing for dementia or, or all that research on dementia, they also that low serotonin was not the cause of depression. Because remember for the last 30 years, we've been saying, we have, I must have low serotonin. Well, no, mm-hmm. ma- you know, and Chris Palmer in his book, who also we talk about mitochondrial um, me- metabolic root cause, he talks all about it with mental health and that his book is fascinating, brain injury, uh, uh, energy, everybody, if you have anyone in your family or you know with any depression, anxiety, suicide ideation, they need to read that book. Have you read, are you familiar with his research? I haven't read his, no. It's fascinating. I mean, I'm familiar with research like that, but what's the book called? His is Brain Energy. He's the Harvard um, psychiatrist who started noticing that people and he himself lost 130 pounds doing keto diet he's Mm -hmm. you know we know keto diet is beneficial for epilepsy and so he started looking at it deeper and deeper and he his he so he's an md he's at harvard Mm -hmm. his patients have gotten off medicines for schizophrenia 
um, schizoaffective disorder, bipolar mm-hmm. disorder, the things that doctors say, oh, you're on medicine the rest of your life. He says, no, you're not. Right. He goes, change your, you know, the metabolic and mitochondrial approach and watch what happens. Yeah, well, I think a lot of ADHD kids that are diagnosed with ADHD and adults now too. I mean, there's a lot of research that shows you can help reverse that or get yes. them off of medications yes, with certain diets. And yes. yeah. And, and that's the other thing we were talking about dementia. The other receptors that you have in your brain are, are glucose. So your brain needs glucose as well. So yes, this ketogenic diet can help with that. But all that research is very fascinating. I am familiar with the mitochondrial yeah. research and the anti-aging, but I, yes. I will definitely read that book. That sounds- but again, the, the dependence on that, Cassie, means less dependence on big pharma. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you, you don't feel threatened by that. But the people who, you know, Bristol Myers Squibb or brought to you by, you know, whoever, you know, what makes the shots and everything. Um, those people are going, no, we want you to take our medicine. You'll be fine. Here, take two. They're small. Yeah. I mean, and there are going to be some people that need medicine, right? Absolutely. I'm not saying like. But I'm saying that, yeah, I think that doctors have gotten really prescription happy, unfortunately. And, well, you yeah, only, I mean, not you, but most of them only have 10 minutes with the patient. Oh, I mean, so, there are some days I do too, but again, there's, yeah, you just have to go back to, again, the root cause, I guess, like what's yeah. causing all of this, right? Yeah. And and my patients, you know, I kind of joke with them, but I have a lady I started seeing a few years ago and she was in her 80s and she was on like 10 medicine and I'm like, why are you even on these medicines? And she's like, I don't know. And so I told her, her grandson, I was like, I'm going to get her off of all of her medicine if I can't. And he's like, and so she just turned 90 <laughs> and she doesn't take any medicine anymore. Like I've slowly like, you know, and so it's just like, why? I don't know. It's, it, I think that's just, that's what we, that's what we learn, right? In med school, you learn, okay, what can you, what can you give them yeah. to shut them up and get them out of here? I mean, that's yeah. mean, but it, what can you do yeah. to get them? Cut to the chase. And it, yeah. Right. And it's like long-term, I don't know that we're doing the best thing for them, right? I mean, maybe in certain circumstances, right? I think there are some drugs that do help and maybe for a certain amount of time, but it's like, yeah. we really should be trying to figure out how do we fix this from the inside and, and not need to, to, you know, to be on these medicines long-term. I agree. Well, you've totally changed my opinion now on endocrinologists. You and my original Dr. John Baldridge, who is 80-something, is in Northwest Arkansas, and I still call him uh, for things. But you actually talk to the patient, and we patients thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Great job today. Great interview. I'm glad I tracked you down. So uh, people will uh, put all the information about you. Your social media is great. We'll put it uh, in the show notes and send people your way. Thank you so much for doing this today, Dr. Smith. Thank you for having me. It was nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.